Blog Talk Radio. Radio. It's been a while. It's been a long time since we last spoke. But things have happened. Things have happened across the NFL. Things have happened to the Rams, and things are going to happen tonight. We're going to have some fun. Tertial Radio Season 7 kicking off tonight. The number to call in, if you guys want to call, we're going to have a couple guests, and then I'm going to get to calls. It'll be about I don't know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes or so. So if you're calling now, you're going to be on hold for a little bit because we got some cool guests coming up. And the phone number to call in. Three four seven eight five seven one zero two two. Again, it's your boy Three K Tertio Radio. We're gonna have some fun tonight. First guest up will be on in a little bit. That's gonna be Dan Kadar from Mocking the Draft, SB Nation's home for everything NFL draft. He's gonna come on. We're gonna talk about tacos. That's gonna be the common theme tonight: tacos because tacos are delicious and you should have more in your life. We're gonna talk about tacos. We're also gonna talk about the NFL draft because that's kind of what he actually talks about besides tacos. Um, after Dan Kadar because I wanted to talk about tacos, I'm going to have a chef from my favorite taco joint. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Taco Bomba out here in Northern Virginia. Chef Carlos is going to join us with expert opinions on tacos. So we got expert opinions on the draft and expert opinions on tacos. We might just make every single podcast about drafts and tacos. I think this could be the greatest podcast in the history of podcasts, at least in the history of Tertio Radio, at least in the history of Tertio Radio for March 2015. Then after we talk to Chef Carlos, we're going to have one of the three new staff writers come on, my man Tim Shields. Everybody knows Big Tim, Shields 3L on Twitter, Shields 3L now on Tertio Times along with Will Horton, both of them coming over from Rams Herd, and we picked up Nathan Kearns coming over from Ramblin' Fans. So we're going to talk to Tim tonight. Tim obviously is coach. He's a fan. He's he's a knowledgeable dude, and we're going to talk about knowledgeable things, mainly football and tacos. But there's so much to get to regarding the St. Louis Rams. It's free agency. The Rams just signed Akeem Ayers, for those of you who avoided the computer for the last couple hours because you were getting ready for Tertio Radio. You put on your Tertio Radio outfit. You put put on that sweet Tertio Radio hand lotion you always wear. Whatever it takes for you to get in the mood. I mean, it's cool. Uh, me, I just eat more tacos. We uh, Rams just signed Akeem Ayers, linebacker formerly of the Titans. They traded into the Pats midseason. I reached out to Music City Miracle, which is the SB Nation site for the Tennessee Titans as well as Pat's Pulpit, which is the uh, community for Patriots fans. Hopefully they'll get back to me with a blurb so we can get a better sense of what kind of guy we're getting. But uh, having seen a decent amount of him from UCLA, I think the skill set's pretty basic. You know, pass rush guy, athletic for his size. Uh, does a decent job of going east-west, but also certainly, you know, can put some pressure on the quarterback. The question is whether he's going to be able to contribute anything in the run game because I think he became a bit more of a specialist uh, with the Patriots. Um, but we'll see. You know, Greg Williams obviously knows him well from his time in Tennessee. We're going to have to see what kind of a relationship they're able to form on the defensive side of the ball because uh, if you follow Tertio Times, you know we've been talking about linebackers quite a bit. Shields had his uh, uh, story up about uh, the linebacker class in free agency. 
There have been rumors that linebacker was a position the Rams are keen on improving this offseason. Of course, at the time, we assumed, and probably rightly so, that they were looking at the draft. But now that Akeem Ayers is signed, then maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough for them to move on and they feel comfortable with Akeem Ayers joining Alec Ogletree, Joe Long Dunbar, and, of course, James Laurinaitis, to say nothing of the rest of the depth that linebacker will have to see. At the same time uh, that he's been talking to the team, Today, we've also had news of Nick Fairley, the Auburn product, former Lions defensive tackle, coming to the Rams, talking about signing a contract. Hopefully, they'll be able to nail that down because obviously with some of the money that they were able to get from a recent move, hint, hint, uh, you know, they got some room to spend. They got some wiggle room. And getting a guy like Nick Fairley, as talented as he is, uh, and putting him in a rotation with what the Rams already have on the defensive line, and now that they've got a key mayors, you got to say it's one of the best front sevens defensively in football. Uh, we're going to have to see how that rotation starts to take shape when we get into training camp and in the preseason. If you remember, you know, Rams picked up Aaron Donald mid-first round. He wasn't given an immediate go. It took a couple weeks for the coaching staff to really plug him in uh, into the starting lineup, into a vigorous rotation, and obviously the results were pretty impressive. He ends up getting the defensive rookie of the year but really on the back of some missed time up front. So we're, gonna, we're just going to have to see how that works if they do sign Nick Fairley, how they plug him in, and where Ayers sits, because with his pass rush skills, you have to wonder if maybe Greg Williams is stru- starting to strengthen up the personnel for that three-man ruby front that he likes to run. Unsuccessful at times, though it was in 2014, perhaps that's part of the plan here with Ayers. But obviously, the signature move of the offseason came right at as the floodgates opened, right as New Year's Day for the NFL began, it was a big trade. And if you haven't heard it, you need to sit down. You need to go put on some more Tertio Radio hand lotion and come back. Sam Bradford is no longer a St. Louis Ram. Goodbye. The nuclear alarms have sounded. No more Sam Bradford. No more Kellen Clemens. No more Sean Hill. on the nuclear alarm for that one. Sam Bradford's gone. It's an interesting situation. Of course, they traded him to the Philadelphia Eagles for Nick Foles, some swapping of draft picks. I'm still confused. I don't even think there were draft picks. I think it was all just nonsense. I think they were playing a game on everybody. No conditional. I think they meant conditioner. They sent a bottle of conditioner uh, in 2016. They'll send over a bottle of conditioner along with the quarterback. Now, Rams getting Nick Foles, 2016 second rounder, and then swapping fourth and fifth rounders. You kind of think it's a good deal. Obviously, the immediate reaction for most fans was that the Rams got the better end of it because they parted with a quarterback, excuse me, that they were on a hook to pay $13 million. They get out of that contract coming off of two ACL injuries. They were just so tied to a guy that had so many question marks. Now they get a guy, Nick Foles, who maybe the skill set has some more question marks and coming off the injury of his own, but hopefully they can get a guy that they can rely on going into the season with a little bit more confidence than they have with Sam Brad. So what does it mean moving forward? We're going to have to see. We still got the draft. We still have plenty of free agency left. Who knows what the Rams are going to do. I still expect them to go out and sign a veteran guy, sign a guy to hold down that Kellen Clemens, Sean Hill role. They, you know, it's something that even precedes Jeff Fisher when you go back to Kyle Bowler. They've had, you know, some 
for whatever reason, some confidence in bringing those kind of guys in to be backups. And ironically enough, and maybe not ironically, given Sam Bradford's injury history, maybe that's the wrong word. It is the wrong word. Um, surprisingly enough, those guys have had to see more time than maybe they were anticipated to actually play when they were signed. Uh, but that's part of why the Rams are moving on, that, you know, they brought in these guys as veteran mentors, as guys to have in the locker room, to have on the sideline, and not necessarily guys you want under center the week after week after week. Uh, but with the injuries that Bradford has accumulated, they were forced into playing those kind of guys. Now they're moving on with Nick Foles. they got to hope that he's uh, fully healthy and ready to go for training camp. You know, this is Jeff Fisher's offense. He's going to have to remodel it. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Obviously, you know, you bring in Chris Winkie as your quarterback's coach. Brian Schottenheimer's gone, so you're remodeling things on the offensive side. You know, the the assumption is that they're going to have to lean on the run. I, I don't know that it's going to bear itself out in the numbers. Uh, but, you know, they still may be a 50-50 team or even a team that uh, ends up passing the ball more than they run it. I think the question is what do they really try to establish early on in games? What is the impact that they want to have early on in games? And how does that how does that change what they do in terms of their predetermined game plan? We saw it last year. The Rams were actually really successful out of the gate. Their scripted stuff going into the first quarter was among the best, if not the best, in the NFL. Uh, the problem was they didn't have a lot of fallback in terms of offensive talent and the game plan that Brian Schottheimer and Jeff Fisher worked up to make some adjustments just wasn't consistently successful. So now you've got Chris Winkie at quarterback, you got Frank Signetti getting promoted to the offensive coordinator position, and Jeff Fisher is just going to have to oversee the operation to find a way to get better. Part of that's going to be help. Obviously, Nick Foles, a quarterback. Brian Quick is another name that a lot of people forget just because his first two years, uh, he just wasn't on the field enough. But what we saw in year three was what we were hoping to get all along until he got hurt. We're going to have to see if that keeps up or you know, if they, maybe they need to go back to the well. You've seen a lot of mock drafts, I'm sure. Everybody's seen them. Amari Cooper, Kevin White, some names that we're going to talk to Dan in just a little bit. And really, that's where we're headed. We're headed now fully into draft season in a week or so once we get over this initial hump of free agency as guys begin to fill out some of those roster positions where they've got the big gaps. Obviously, there's backup quarterback, wide receiver. Certainly, the offensive line is an issue that – they're going to rectify over the coming weeks and month and a half as we head into the draft. The question really is how much do they put from free agency and how much do they get from two of their own guys, guys like Kenny Britt and Joe Barksdale. Now, obviously, we haven't heard a lot of news on those fronts. That stuff isn't always public. Uh, but what we did hear from Jim Thomas, I believe, today on Twitter was that uh, Barksdale wasn't getting a lot of love from the market. Now, it's early, and so teams aren't really desperate to go and fill holes for depth, but we're just going to have to see – if that means that maybe St. Louis is a more comfortable home for him with the market not falling over themselves to essentially overpay for a guy like Joe Barksdale at right tackle, let alone what it means for Kenny Brett. Veteran wide receiver, career seemed to flounder, and then the Rams go out and save him, give him a year, and he puts up a really solid year as a wide receiver, both in terms of his on-field production, but the fact that he, he was a good teammate uh, by all accounts, didn't really have any off-the-field issues, which has been a hallmark, I guess you could say, of his NFL career. and was really one of the very few free agent hits that the Rams have had under Jeff Fisher and general manager Les Snead. So we're going to have to see if the fact that they they were successful it finally in that arena means that they're going to be willing to do something for Kenny Britt that other teams aren't, or if they're uh, you know, the loyalty that you don't really get in a business like the NFL isn't something that applies to the Rams either. So we're going to have to see. 
Um, but in the end, we'll, free agency is a stopgap measure, and what we're really looking at is heading into draft season. Um, and it's going to be interesting. you got a lot of guys that uh, we've seen in the mock drafts. I mentioned Amari Cooper. I mentioned Kevin White. We've seen tons of offensive linemen, guys like Brandon Scherf, TJ Clemmings, uh, Erek Flowers early on. And there's so many other names. I mean, it's tough to get them all right now in front of me when I don't have anything up. Um, but a part of it comes down to what the Rams really feel about the board. Uh, you know, people say, hey, you got to trade down because there's not guys for value there. And that's true. It may not be Anders Pete, Lael Collins, guys like that. If there's a guy that they feel comfortable with at 10 and they don't think that he's going to be around much longer – they, they got to pull the they got to pull the trigger. Now the question is who that ends up being. Is it an offensive lineman? Is it a wide receiver? Because this hasn't been a an a, a brain trust that has been all that comfortable going after those kind of guys early on in drafts, say for Tavon Austin. But that should tell you something about how they have approached the wide receiver position. But then D, it's also something that they've relied somewhat heavily on free agency to fill. When you look at Kenny Britt when you look at the entire offensive line classes that have moved on, guys like Scott Wells, Jake Long, uh, and even Joe Barksdale, who's undrafted, for, or it's not an undrafted free agent, comes over from Oakland uh, after being drafted. We're going to have to see. It's, it's become apparent that they were more comfortable early on using the draft to fill up the defense and fill up other parts of the offense. Now, there's no real way to get around it. They're going to have to put some skill guys in there, quarterback and wide receiver, and certainly the offensive line. Uh, stands to be the biggest issue that they're looking at. But as they move forward, I think part of the question is what everybody else does. You've got a really strong draft, second, third round. Maybe the meat of the draft is really on day two. But the top of the draft just doesn't look all that great unless you're really in the market for a pass rusher because there seems to be a nice glut at the front. Guys like Randy Gregory, Dante Fowler, Vic Beasley, obviously a little bit more undersized, but in the right system he could be real successful. Even some of the guys on the interior, guys like Malcolm Brown, Danny Shelton, those guys are going to get looks. And one of the big risers, and I know I'm going to get his name wrong, is Olamagbe Odigizu. I need some help. Where's my man Mike? Mike, you're going to have to hook me up with the pronunciation guy. Big double O. I remember at UCLA, I I never really paid much attention to the defensive side because every time I watch UCLA, I want to see Brett Hundley and how he's dealing with a struggling offense when he didn't have a lot of talent around him. And then obviously when UCLA would either punt the ball or – get in the end zone, I'd usually go to the bathroom or cigarette break. Now that he's coming in, I went back and watched one game. He's an interesting guy. He's got a lot of size. I'm going to have to go back and watch more because he's starting to pick up a lot of hype. Um, but one guy that's definitely going to be able to fill us in is my man Dan Kadar. So let's go ahead and bring him on since we've got him right now. It's Dan Kadar. Everybody knows it's Mocking the Draft on Twitter. You can search Mocking the Draft. I think it might redirect you. If not, I think it's sbnation.com slash NFL mock draft hyphenated between all three words. But on Tertiary Radio, we just call him Dan. Mr. Kadar, what's going on here on Tertiary Radio? Good, man. How are you guys? Dan, I'm good. So big big story going into the draft. There's actually three main stories. New Star Wars, Frozen 2, and the Poop Gang stuff. What, as, yes. as a draft expert, which of those three do you think is going to have the most successful media career moving forward? Well, for me, you know, speaking from a biased Northeast Ohio standpoint, it's the, the car pooper, poop gangsta. obviously. The poop gangsta. You know. I know it is. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know. The, I was just going to say, what is yeah. this? Are you, guys, are you guys Florida light? What are you guys trying to do? And the Jordan, Cam, Dan, I want to love you guys. You make it hard sometimes, man. It's, uh, 
it's a hard life out here. It's very uh, depressing. It'll beat you down. Winters are rough. People crap on cars. The Browns suck. Uh, LeBron James is going bald, and he's not wearing a headband anymore. It's a, it's a struggle, man. That's a great back-to-back quote, by the way. People crap on cars. The Browns suck. Let's get into yeah. the draft, man. Uh, it's been a long draft season, I'm sure, for you as it has for fans who, you know, as soon as the season started wearing down, started getting serious about some of these guys and watching the draft stock float around. What, what has been the most interesting storyline to you throughout? Has it been, you know, two quarterbacks establishing themselves at the top of the board and, you know, a class that's kind of well below that afterwards? Is it the pass rushers up front? What's, what's the most interesting thing to you over the course of the entire draft season so far? Well, I'll tell you the, the most interesting thing, and this is kind of it's much further and less interesting down that list of things you just named, but it's probably more relevant to the Rams actually is the way DJ Humphreys, the offensive tackle from Florida has kind of sure. come out of nowhere and become a first round pick. Like no one expected him to come out of Florida after his junior year. And right. You know, no one thought that much of him. And then you go to stuff like the senior bowl and people are talking about him on the sidelines. Okay. Like, hey, you know, what's what's up with this guy? He seems pretty good, right? And then you get to the combine a month later, and people are like, this guy's really good. He's a first-rounder. And, you know, you start to wonder how high is he going to go in the draft. And um, Jake Fisher from Oregon is kind of on the same, you know, wavelength to a, to a degree. So sure. it's kind of it, – it's always the development of these guys who you're not – you know, the guys who aren't Jameis Winston, who aren't Leonard Williams, who you – you can already pen into being a high first round pick that kind of uh their their stock kind of develops as we learn more of what the NFL thinks. It's a it's a fascinating uh game to play really. I mean we watch all the college football we want and our our opinions can get skewed by what we hear, you know, from sources this time of year. It's it's great fun. How do you how do you think that happens where a DJ Humphreys, you know, everybody saw his tape, or even like a guy that I really like that I think is going to be, I would assume is going to be one of those late risers, just maybe it's me being biased as Rob Havenstein out of Wisconsin. How does it happen that, you know, this late into the process is where we really start learning that kind of stuff? Is it, is it just a disconnect between some of the skill sets that the NFL, and obviously the NFL isn't some mysterious you know, entity floating around. It's a, you know, collection of individuals. Is it that those individuals really prize and appreciate certain skills that don't jump off on tape or maybe it's something in the locker room or in the weight room? How do you think it happens that there's that disconnect? Well, I'll I'll tell you exactly how it happens for me and how it happens for some other guys who do the draft stuff is that teams are doing it full-time all year round. You know, so they're they're able to watch every Florida game and see DJ Humphreys and watch every Florida game multiple times where I'm working a day job and doing draft stuff at night and you try and get as many guys as you can. You know, when you when there's a player you don't think is going to enter the draft, you're, you're not going to pay a lot of attention to him because, you know, you have a, a million other people to get to. So, and I, I'm certainly not alone. So, you know, then you get a narrative going because then there's dopes like me who vocalize their opinion about a player and then it snowballs. I mean, every you see it every time a few of these draft guys put something out. You know, I, I like player A, then 
the next guy's like, oh, yeah, I, lo- I always loved player A. Then in the next character, that was like, oh, yeah, I-, I loved him too. You know, and then it, then it turns into a whole telephone game sort of thing where every everybody always loved this guy. So, you know, it, for me, it's a it's just a catch-up thing, to be quite frank. Um, I would love to be able to spend more time on it, but I can't, so I have to maximize the time I do have. And, you know, sometimes guys like DJ Humphreys, to keep using him as the example, just slip through. So, um, yeah, that's how the process works for me. I mean, it's kind of a, probably a inside baseball boring story to tell, but that's just how it goes. That's what we like on Tertiary Radio. It's the boring stories. Again, it's Tertiary Radio. Dan Kadar joining us from Mock in the Draft, SB Nation. Main hub for everything with the NFL Draft. Call in number tonight if you're listening live, 347-857-1022. We're going to get the calls later in the show. Dan, who's maybe somebody that you feel isn't getting the kind of love, the draft stock that you would peg on them, whether that's high or low, but maybe a guy that you think a snowball's headed towards? Yeah, I mean, I, I've always liked Brandon Scherf, the offensive tackle from yeah. Iowa. I mean, I haven't gotten off liking him. and boy, that's, that's I've heard he's strong. That. Is he strong? Yeah, he, he's strong, obviously. I mean, he's from the Midwest. You had to be strong. Um, but, you know, it, people kept saying, oh, I think he's a guard. And I, I don't know, I never really bought into that opinion. It's the kind of the same with Lyle Collins from LSU. I've right. liked him as an offensive tackle really high, and, you know, some guys have had him moving up and down in the first round and to the back of the first round, and I've just never really felt that way about him. I mean, we'll see what happens during the draft, but, you know, those are two guys that I've had one and two as the best offensive tackles in the draft this year, basically all season, really, and I haven't moved off it, and I'm probably not going to. We'll mark it down and share it on your Twitter, kids. Dan Kadar thinks Brandon Scherf is strong. That's a hot take there, Dan. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, real original. <laughs> what do you think about Cam Irving? He's an interesting guy. I liked him as an offensive tackle two years ago, but a lot of people after this season say, having moved to center, that maybe that's his best position. How do you feel about him? I've had a hard time jumping on board with him as a as a center because part of the reason I'm I'm still waiting for Florida State all 22 from his center games to come to me. So centers can be really hard to judge on a TV okay. angle, but you know he was really good at tackle two years ago. Um, I think he was a first rounder at tackle a couple of years ago, but he just he didn't improve and he kind of got worse. Florida State. You know, I, I know they needed a center, but they moved him there for a reason instead of someone else. You know, and they when they moved him to center, they didn't miss a beat at left tackle. And I don't know. I, he, he's a good player. Um, I, I have a hard time being completely sold on him, though, because how many centers are like that in the NFL? You know, where they're sure. these long, athletic, move-around type of centers instead of these squatty, plugger, type of guys. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's the guy I'm wrong about. I don't know, but I, I have a hard time getting completely on board with him as a first-round pick. Um, I Maybe the Saints at 31 now, because they, they I don't know. Well, actually, no, not the Saints, because they just got Max Unger. It's the second time that well, we got messed that up on a, on a radio yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just hemming and hawing because I'm having a hard time finding out where he fits in the draft. I, I don't think it's New England, for instance. By the way, a bit of trivia. In college, 
I was known as the Squatty Plucket. Just thought you might like to. Huh. Yeah. Is that the because your plucket. proficiency in the in the uh, dorm rooms? Moving on. Dan, who's somebody <laughs> that maybe isn't on people's radar that we don't know? It could be a small school prospect or maybe somebody at a at a less glamorous position than a lot of people get hyped for, maybe somebody in the you know, center of the defensive line. Who's somebody that you don't think is getting talked about that maybe you think will be uh, in a couple weeks, or maybe somebody that's going mid-rounds that, that a team is going to really fall in love with? Boy, that's a good question. Um, hmm. That's Joey why they called me the squatty plugger. Yeah, Joey Ambu, the defensive tackle from Houston. I mean, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't really do anything to help himself at the combine, um, other than his measurables. I mean, he had super long arms, I guess, but um, he didn't look that great. But you know, he's just the guy that, that gets it done. I, I don't think he's going to be a great starting defensive tackle, but he can be a very good player in a you know a rotation type of thing. And I, I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, so he's one that comes to mind straight away. Um, there's some wide receivers that are going to go deep in the draft this year that, you know, I, I it's think a good class. Can, it's a good wide receiver class. It is. And, you know, that's it, becoming the norm now, you know, it, and it's like, you know, if your team has a bad group of wide receivers after the last two years, what is mm-hmm. your team doing? Like you've had tons and tons of opportunities to get, wide receivers in the last two years, and if you, you strike out, you know, that kind of says something about your, your front office. But, I mean, you know, like take Deontay Greenberry from Houston, another Houston guy. Uh, his hands are kind of shaky, but we said the same thing about the kid that Pittsburgh took in the fifth round last year, for a fifth round last year, and he turned out to be a very good player, Martavis Bryant. Um, if, I think Greenberry could be that kind of player. Um, if his if his head's on straight, you know Trey McBride from William and Mary is going to be a day three pick, and he should be a, a pretty solid wide receiver. Um, you know, Desmond Lewis from Central Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, he has good measurables. He could be that kind of player. So, you know, there's a lot of these wide receivers who are kind of going to get flyer picks in the in the fourth, fifth, sixth round that you know can make an impact. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, you look at the class guys like Drez Anderson. Uh, Lorenzo Dawson, or not Lorenzo Dawson, what I'm talking about. Um, Stephon Diggs is somebody who a year ago, a lot of people had pegged as a Tavon Austin type in the first round, and now I see a lot of people dropping him all the way to the back end at day three. I really, it's going to be tough. You mentioned those teams, those hypothetical teams. I can't think of one that maybe hasn't really improved their wide receiving uh, talent the last two years. Maybe maybe there's an NFL team. I don't, I don't know of any. Um, but if they somehow missed out on some of these classes and some of the big talent, maybe this would be a good year to go back and get some. Just an idea. Dan, as we get closer, one other question I wanted to ask you, and trying to take the big picture of this, you know, one thing I remember I started saying, gosh, probably like 2009, was that the running back position, mainly with the rule change, but just overall it seemed like there was a culture change in the NFL in that the workhorse, the all-down running back just wasn't that important anymore. And as the running back became more of a system positional play, there just wasn't a need to take a running back in the first round. Now, obviously we've seen that. Uh, really, you know, become a reality. Is is there any positions that you think maybe uh, are going to be in the next couple of years or for a generation drafted higher? Remember a couple of years ago we saw two guards uh, go in the top ten. Was it Fluker and Jonathan Cooper, right? Um, 
Yeah. You know, is it, it, maybe interior offensive line something that's not getting drafted highly enough? Maybe there's a position that's getting overdrafted. Are there any general trends you think that, are, that, that you're comfortable with saying, look, this is where the NFL is going in regards to the NFL draft and something we're going to see get bigger or get accelerated in years to come? Well, you know, I, I think we've, we've seen it, how free agencies played out this year, really. I mean, how fast did all of the tight ends, the good tight ends get sucked up, and how fast did the coverage safeties get sucked up? And those yeah. are two positions in this year's draft that are just abysmal. So, yeah, I think those are kind of the two that you look at. Those are kind of unique positions, really, that you can do interesting things with. You can do multiple things with that position or those positions and there's a lot of value in that as long as there's the talent to fill it and in the draft this year there's not maybe there will be next year I have no idea but I think there's a lot of teams still looking for a coverage safety for instance a good free safety and you know you start to wonder okay this cornerback is six foot two is he you know maybe we should move him over you know like Eric Rowe from Utah is that guy this year um you know, so those two positions, you know, tight end, someone like Max Williams, who's a, a good player from Minnesota, he might get overdrafted just because so many teams need tight ends in the first round. Yes. Um, Clive Walford from from Miami is just he's right. a good player across the board, but he doesn't really blow you away in any area. He He's probably going to go in the second round because, you know, there's that big need at that position. So those are the two that I kind of think of that are, you know, are becoming – I'm not saying they're becoming super important positions like quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher type of thing, but there's obvious value there. Um, and then obviously when you, the flip side of that is positions like some of the linebacker stuff, um, running backs, obviously. Um, yeah, those two are kind of put on the back burner a little bit. I think unfortunately for the Rams, maybe guard, you can probably find a good guard later in the draft. Um, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, so those are kind of the, the flip side of that. One more question from me, and then I think we got a couple in the comments. We'll just knock out real quick. How, how do you say his name? Is it Owamagabe Odigizua? I think it's uh, Owagni. No, I just say Owa for his first name, and then his last name is how it looks. It's Odigizua for his last name. Odigizua. I'm going to have to work that. We had an incredibly important groundbreaking post making fun of the Bills owner, Terry Pegula's name. It was really important stuff. If you haven't seen it, check it out. I saw it while, reading, while eating tacos today. How about that? Yeah. Well, let, let me put it like this. Before that post, you had a life, but now you're finally alive. Dan, Appreciate you coming on. Let's get a couple of these questions, and I'm going to let you go for the night, my man. Um, Dougie wants to know, is there going to be an annual live mock draft this year? And if so, where is it going to be hosted? Have we figured that out yet? No, I, I have no idea. I'm I'm so far behind on everything. I'm not sure it's going to happen. Um, I, all My great readers, I mean, they've, they've kind of organized it in years past in the comments. Um, maybe on, for next Monday's mock draft, I'll – jump into the comments a little bit more and, and see if, you know, what everyone wants to do. Um, unfortunately, it's a, a time thing. And if Absolutely. anybody's been seeing how little work I've been doing this year, um, it's a real crunch. So, well, we'll see. Um, hopefully we'll get to do something, 
no guarantees. I, I hate guaranteeing stuff and not being able to follow through on it. So, yeah, stay stay tuned, and we'll see what happens. Let me translate that, Doug. I think that means you need to get on top of it, my man. He's asked for an angel in disguise. It needs to be you, Dougie. Hop on it. Uh, we talked about the wide receiver class a little bit. What do you think about Jalen Strong? I've had him on top of my wide receiver board. I, lo- I love this skill set, especially for a team like the Rams that doesn't really have great red zone threat. What do you think about Jalen Strong coming out of Arizona State? Well, you know, anyone who doesn't like Jalen Strong, I just kind of ask them why what's bad about him. I mean, right. kind of like Clive Walford, he's not amazing in any particular particular area other than maybe high-pointing the ball, like he said, in the red zone. But he's just he's just so solid. Like, I, I don't think he's going to be a great number one wideout, but I think he can be a really high-end number two. Uh, good yeah. size, good enough speed, good enough hands, can – you know, jump super high, and you know, do that kind of stuff. And I, I know he's a kid who busts his butt. So, um, yeah, I, I like him. I think he's going to be a first-round pick. You know, I, I'm trying to think where I have him in next Monday's mock draft. I think it's a little higher than I've had him previously. But um, yeah, I think he's a first-round pick. I think he's a great fit for the Ravens, uh, for instance. What do you think about Doriel Green Beckham? Obviously, a year off. Has that really hurt him? Or, if anything, did it prevent him maybe from taking a slide down and taking a year off? Well, you know, here's the thing about Doriel Green Beckham. And let's forget about all the off field stuff. All that sucks and it it knocks him and it kind of makes him a bad person to a degree. But talking on the field, I think the year off hurt him because there there are some real issues about his on field. Um, intelligence, just to be yeah. frank about it. Um, he had to be moved from one wideout spot to the other one at Missouri because he just couldn't figure out the plays. And, you know, he he's very limited in what he can do, but what he can do is amazing. So it, it's so confounding. I mean, whatever team drafts him is going to have to have a wide receiver coach that just rides him hard and puts him in a position to be successful because you you kind of get the feeling that if he's not going to be successful early in his career, it's just going to explode in a big way, okay. unfortunately. I, okay. I I think I like him a lot more than most people do as a player. Um, I, I think he can be amazing. I mean, I, from a tool standpoint, he's the most impressive wide receiver in this year's draft. He might be the most impressive player period in this year's draft from a physical standpoint but well everything else it's boy this guy is a mess so it's it's going to be fascinating to see where he goes and how he does last question maybe the most maybe not the most mercurial you did just mention dgb and there's a couple other guys but maybe the the biggest most mercurial early pick marcus mariota you know I, i i haven't been high on Marcus Mariota compared to a lot of people, but I thought by now things would have kind of cemented. It feels almost like as we go week to week, things are opening up more and more. Where where do you think Marcus Mariota really ends up in terms of draft stock? Is he going to the Jets at six? Is is there any way he makes it down to the Rams at 10? What do you feel about Mariota, especially after a pro day where a lot of people came away apparently unimpressed? Yeah, I don't care about the pro day, but – um, I, I've always thought six Damn, is his it's the absolute... internet. You gotta you gotta do yeah. the hot take stuff. If they mention it, you just gotta write it. Yeah, I know, but I, I don't know. I've never thought he'd fall past six, and I've only had that in the the 
past several mock drafts I've done only because I don't do trades. Um, and, you know, before I did the crazy Eagles one, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen now. Um, yeah, I don't know what the hell the Browns are going to do with, with two first-round picks, but they, they could be on the move for him. Um, I think he's going to be fine. You know, I, I think whatever team drafts him is going to have to put him in a position to be successful. You know, they're going to have to cater some of their offense to what he can do. But, sure. you know, he he has good skills. He's smart. He's not a dumb person. Um, right. I, I don't know. Obviously, you don't want to see him run as much in the NFL because he'll probably get banged up a little bit. But, you know, he's not a small guy. Um I don't know, from a football intelligence standpoint, I think he's at a higher level than someone like Colin Kaepernick, for instance. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's going to be a good NFL player as long as whatever team drafts him lets him do some of the things that he's good at. So not the Rams. Makes sense. <laughs> totally on the well, Dan, I said – no, go ahead, go ahead. No, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've – the Rams are weird. They have a lot. They have so many good players, but not at the position. Like they don't. They haven't had a good quarterback. Um, they have a bunch of wide receivers, but none of them are amazing. You know, like they have an okay tight end, but not a great tight end. You know, I, boy, that has to be frustrating, man. I mean, I'm saying that as a Browns fan, uh, that has to be frustrating. So, I, I don't. I don't know. I I don't have a lot of faith in Jeff Fisher using someone like Marcus Mariota the right way, but I don't have a lot of faith in Jeff Fisher, period. So, yeah. Well, you just got to temper your expectations. You got you to gotta call in some new things to the cheerleaders, man. Eight and eight, everything's great. Seven and nine, oh, my God, it's fine. Six and ten, let's do it again. Dan, we're going to have to do this again. I did promise I was going to bring it up first, and now I'm bringing it up last. Everybody, mocking the drafts, taco, big board. We had to combine tacos and big boards, two things I love, and nobody better at it than Dan Kadar for mocking the draft. Here's his big board. I needed. Oh, I should have put a drum roll audio clip. My bad, Dan. Dan Kadar's taco, big board, is as follows. Chorizo, carnitas, barbacoa, fish, chicken, steak, beef, and I, I'm assuming is this at the top or the bottom, your final choice? Uh, chorizo is number one with a bullet. Uh, tongue is what you're about to get to is by far the worst. And I, I you couldn't. only eat tongue tacos when you're drunk. So, oh, yeah. I, Dan, I could not disagree with you more. This is going to make for a perfect segue. I, I, I expect you to comment back on my own taco big board because you'll find the rankings will be Quite different, my friend. Quite different indeed. But that's all right. Where we disagree on tacos and maybe where we disagree on drafts, I think you and I can both agree Dan Kadar is somebody you need to follow heading into draft season. If not the best, then one of them. Dan, thanks for having thanks for having me. Sure, man. Thanks for having you. Sure. Thanks for coming on Tershow Radio, Dan. Anytime. Thanks, guys. You're the best man. Dan Kadar, mocking the draft. I've heard him on local radio a couple times, man. He's starting to get really big. I love Dan. He used to write a little bit here and there for mocking the draft back in the day, but he's gotten bigger and better, and I just kept talking about tacos. I have been talking about tacos at his big board. I haven't mentioned mine. So I've got a, I've got a three-part big board, and then I want to get to Chef Carlos from Taco Bomba. He's coming on next. The best tacos in northern Virginia in the D.C. area. And 
the proprietor of the number one taco on my big board. So here's my big board. Now I need that drum roll again. Damn it. Really should have had that in there. I need a producer. Doug, when you get done with the live mock draft, I need you back here on Test Show Radio. Number three. Number three, my big board taco is any other taco besides my top two. My top two tacos are my life. Everything else is tied for number three, except for chicken. Chicken tacos aren't even chicken. That's just a waste of chicken. Chicken doesn't go in tacos. There's no point to doing that. All right? It's like cooking a, a huge T-bone and wrapping it in a tortilla. You don't do that. There's no point to that. If you do like carne asada, you need to slice it. Okay? You don't put chicken in tacos. Polio. Get out of here. No point in taco. Now, chorizo, barbacoa, fish, all great. All right? That's number three. Everything besides my top two. My number two taco, and then we're going to bring on Chef Carlos from Taco Bama. Number two taco of all time, being from North Texas. Taco Bueno Party Taco. Now, let me, understand, let me explain this. I grew, I grew up in Texas. I'm Creole. My mother's Creole from the middle of nowhere, Louisiana. I did not grow up with a great Mexican food in the house. So the bastardized, Americanized, really, really crappy taco was what I grew up on. And there was nothing better than the Taco Bueno Party Taco. 69 cents, okay? And obviously the jokes right themselves. 69 cents for a party taco, a Taco Bueno, a fast food joint that I think has expanded past Texas, but it may only be in Texas. It's about the size of your hand. It's small. It's easy to grip. It's got the fried shell, which everybody knows isn't a real taco. Real taco is two soft corn tortillas. That's what it comes from. But in America, we created this own kind of taco, a crispy shell, and nobody did it better than Taco Bueno. It was cheap, crappy ground beef with way too much grease and that powdery shredded cheese that's not really cheese that nobody actually likes to eat. But if you, want, if you have to have cheese and you don't have a lot of money, and if you're going to Taco Bueno, you don't have a lot of money, yeah, that's the cheese you want. And some shredded lettuce that was like half lettuce and half ice because it had been in the freezer for too damn long. And tomatoes that obviously they cut up by hand because they were the wrong shapes and the wrong sizes. Their knife cut didn't make sense because it, really, it was just a fast food joint. But they tried to cut up these tomatoes and it just didn't work right. And he just threw it in one big little messy, eat your hand because, ah, the party taco was everything that the taco shouldn't be. And that's what made it so great. So Taco Bueno, number two taco. And, of course, my number one, it is a Taco Bama taco. And before I reveal it, I've got to bring on a chef at one of the greatest restaurants I've ever been to in my life, easily my favorite taco air, joint in the area. It's going to be Chef Carlos. Chef Carlos, you're on Tursa Radio. Can, can you hear me, my man? I can. Can you hear me? I can. Chef Carlos, thanks for joining us, man. Let me ask you, how long have you been working at Taco Bama? Uh, yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I've been there since mid-July of last year, so, you know, over probably about seven, seven plus months. So let me ask you this. Uh, let's take it into the general before we get to the specifics about Taco Bamba. What, what do you think makes a great taco? Obviously, Taco Bamba and other taco places, you get a whole variety of stuff, right? You guys did the Pulpo Taco, which was grilled octopus, one of my favorite things. You got carne asada. You've got El Gringo, which is a different kind of taco you guys do. Anybody should, can go to Taco Bamba's website look at the menu, but carne asada to – uh, you know, all these other different kinds of tacos, it's hard to really lump them into one category. What do you think are the essential, the, the requirements for a really, really good taco? Um, well, I mean, uh, and I was listening earlier, you said you're from Texas. I'm from Texas also and from a Mexican background. So, you know, I grew up from El Paso. So you so hated Taco Bueno? 
Uh, I don't know Taco Bueno. Um, in El Paso, we didn't have it. We had Juarez, Mexico. Which so, you know, Chico's Tacos, tacos don't, please don't mention Chico's Tacos, please. Oh, man, you, you went there. <laughs> you know what? That's, <laughs> that, is, that's, that's, that, that is a childhood favorite. I, you know, I grew up with it, so I understand it's not the prettiest. It doesn't seem like it would be good, and a lot of people don't like it, but I, I grew up with it. It's a, It's one of my things that, you know, I just... I don't know why either, <laughs> but I can't explain to you that. But 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 outside so, of Chico's tacos, there's so many great tacos. Right. Even in El Paso, what 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 makes a great taco? A great taco, you know, uh, starts off with the meat. You you do have to have, you know, quality meat. You can't you can't get you know just these, you know, crappy cuts. You gotta you gotta have good meat. You gotta have uh, good seasoning. You know, like on a carne asada carne asada taco, you have to have nice seasoning, you have to char it on the grill, on the griddle, oh, yeah. you put it on there, leave it alone, you know, salt and pepper, you know, a, a nice hefty amount of salt and pepper so that, you know, people people remember the flavor, they don't, it's, it's not just like, oh, okay, that was good and forget about it, they're like, wow, that was some good carne asada, you know, uh, and good tortillas, you know, the tortillas, you have, you have to, you know, grill them nice, you know, get a little bit of brown on them, both sides, get a little crispiness in there. And honestly, just simple onions and cilantro. That's that's a traditional Mexican taco. You know, there's no no frills about it, um, but just the ingredients. And also, you know, I mean, you have to, like I said, cook it to how to the consistency it's supposed to get cooked. See, and that's what I liked is when you got honest, when you got sincere about what makes a great taco. Those are all the things that are not in Chico's tacos. I don't understand why people love them. It's okay, though. No, you're, but, you're right. You're right. I get, I, like I said, I, I don't get it myself, but it is what it is. A lot of people who don't know El Paso are like, what is the deal with Chico's tacos? They're not even tacos. They're, they come in a little picnic bag. And the sauce is like, it's tomato water. It's not even sauce. <laughs> It that's is. Okay. It is. I have yeah. to collect myself. I, did, I didn't know you were from El Paso that changes every day, but that's okay. I have to keep myself supposed. We're going to focus on real tacos. We're going to focus on Taco Bamba. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If you had a secret ingredient that a lot of people don't know about, maybe that is either versatile or something that's really great in a taco, what is something you think, or maybe something that's kind of new that's kind of changing the taco game, what do you think is maybe your favorite ingredient or something really cool like that? Um, I don't know if there's a certain, you know, certain ingredient. Um, honestly, it's not even a secret ingredient. It's an ingredient that we all have in our house that we all use probably daily or, you know, when we're cooking at night, but we don't know how to use it, and it's salt. Wheat la coche, yeah? Well, no? wheat la coche. I mean, I'm, I'm saying... <laughs> Everybody's got salt. rotten corn smut in their kitchen, right? Well, so, yeah. So, I, you know, I've been known to <laughs> make wheat la coche tacos at Taco Bamba, yes. Um, and it's delicious. I mean, nobody knows what corn smut is. But it's you know it's the, the, the fungus that grows out of the corn and and it's smoky and earthy and you know and it's not for everybody but it's you know that's that, that'd be a secret ingredient that you know sure. that we throw in there from Taco Bamba that not other taquerias might not have. Yeah. Um, but is there is there one personally that you love or is it or is it all about Taco Bamba? Oh, like personally, um, yeah. You know, I love. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I personally love chipotle. Now, I don't okay. like. I'm, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the uh, the, uh, the 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 restaurant itself. You know, of but, course not. 
chipotle, chipotle peppers, you know, they're smoky. They're, you know, there's that uh, pungency about them. There's brininess when, you know, um, you can do so much with them, throw them in, you know, in the kinga tacos, you know, with the, it, it is a chicken. I know you were saying chicken doesn't belong in a taco, but our chicken kinga is Chicken delicious. kinga is tough, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, but there's so many things you can do with chipotle. You, you know, there's a powder, there's, you know, you can toss it in, in, in a sugar to make churros coated with a chipotle sugar, which we do sometimes. Um, you know, so, yeah, I, I do love chipotle. There's, that's a nice, that's a nice uh, versatile chili that you can multi-use in a lot of uh, different ways. Yeah, chipotle. See, chipotle peppers to me uh, is one of the reasons that I still say the jalapeno is maybe the most underrated uh, <clears throat> legume, I guess. I, it, it's one of the most underrated staples in cooking anywhere. The fact that, A, you've got a raw jalapeno, B, you can use pickled jalapeno, and then C, when you dry it out, you get chipotle. It's, the jalapeno is proof of God. I mean, that, that's kind of undeniable, but I mean, I guess yeah. maybe there are people who want to fight that. I'll let them do it. Carlos, do you have a Twitter account, man? Do, do you do Twitter or, you, or no? Uh, yes, we you know, talk, uh, personally, no, I don't have a personal Twitter account, but we have a Twitter account for Taco Bamba, uh, as well as a Facebook account and Instagram. So, so yes, for Taco Bamba, we do. I love it. Everybody got to go follow Taco Bamba. I, I got two more major questions for you. What What is maybe your favorite taco that you guys have on the menu? I know a lot of things change, and uh, Eric Bruner Yang, the, the big D.C. chef, was in there not too long ago, did his own kind of Asian spin on some stuff. Uh, maybe what's something that you really love that you guys do there? Oh, I didn't give you mine. So my secret ingredient that I really love on tacos is celaditas. It's grilled uh, green onions. Uh, celaditas is great. And it's on, I'll give you a hint, it's on my number one taco on my taco big board at Taco Bamba. So that should whittle down the menu. But when you look at it, what is, what is maybe something that you love that Taco Bamba does? Or uh, maybe it's an approach. Maybe it's, you know, just a general philosophy or something like that that comes out of the kitchen. What's something that you really love about Taco Bamba's men- menu and their tacos? Um, well, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a small taqueria in Falls Church owned by Victor Albisu, you know, and he's, uh, he's also, uh, the man behind Del Campo, which is uh, located in DC. So it's more of a South American grill. Right. Um, so what, you know, one of the good things that we have about our tacos and, and what I like is that, uh, we, we like to take advantage of that. You can be serious and traditional with them or kind of go off the board and kind of, you know, innovate stuff on your on our own. Um, still end up with something you know, delicious and portable. Um, as far as like my favorite taco, you know, we just put an I just put a, a taco on there. It's a traditional one. There's nothing fancy about it, but it's the uh, sauce. You know, I just had it a couple of weeks ago, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's tender. There's you know, there's the uh, the uh, the fattiness about it that you know coats your coats, coats your tongue and you know the the saltiness, um, you know with the onions and cilantro. But you know that one that one that one's one of my favorites just because I grew up with I grew up with uh, with cabeza bichi uh, head. Um, another one that I like is the beso, which is uh, fried pork tongue, uh, beef and pork tongue, beef tongue and pork tongue fried together, a little bit of uh, spicy mayo. Green onions, which which you said was one of your favorites, and some pickled uh, Fresno peppers on top. So you know, and it's it's those 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 nice uh, strong flavors. I you know I love that taco. It is it is really good. Um, oh, it's, 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 it's not really good. El beso is 
There, I see. I need the drum roll again. El beso is the greatest talk I've ever had. Again, we got to go over this. It's two types of lengua. It's beef, it's beef tongue and pork tongue. Then you got the cebolitas. Then you got the chiles. Then you got that spicy. Is it mayo? Is it aioli? Whatever. Who cares? It's delicious. And then what it I like is, to do, yeah. I like to I mean, ask for a little. I, I like to ask for a little bit of crema on top. To everybody who doesn't know crema, sour cream. <laughs> oh, there's there's nothing better. That's that's. I've had tacos in Mexico, I've had tacos in Texas, I've had tacos in California. The greatest taco I've ever had is the El Beso from Taco Bamba. So, yes, I have to completely disagree with Dan Kadar, who had lengua, who had tongue at the bottom of his powers, power rankings, his big board, because it's at the top of mine. There's nothing better. Yeah, I, I, I caught that part of it, and, you know, to each their own. And, you know, not everybody wants to, uh, I guess, people always say, oh, I don't want to eat something that can taste me. You know, it's, <laughs> but I I love it. It is, it's, you know, it, there's nothing better than fried tongue. Uh, well, I, I, there's nothing, I could write a thousand words on it. But what I love is, like you said, there is some flexibility. You guys do have El Gringo. It's a completely opposite tie. It's exactly what I don't want in a taco. But no, the fact no. that you guys offer it means you're catering to a big audience and willing to go outside of the normal bounds of tacos. One last question for you, Carlos. What, what do you think is the best thing about tacos? Why are tacos so popular? Why are taquerias, you know, now growing into more modernized, you know, versions, and it's not just a simple taqueria that's really classic. You're getting a lot of, you know, upscale taquerias. You're getting some kind of out of the, you know, the Korean taco is something that's become really huge in recent years in some major urban areas. What, what do you think is so timeless about tacos? What makes tacos so great? Um, I've, I've always thought tacos were great, but I think what, uh, what what's making them more popular is that they're versatile. You can... I mean, you can put anything in a tortilla, whether you're wrapping it in a big flour tortilla or you're doing what we do and you just, you know, and you're putting it in a, in a corn tortilla. You can put anything in there and it makes for a great meal. I mean, you don't, you don't need utensils. You just grab it with your hand. It's very, I think, I think it gets, you get intimate with the taco because you're, you know, you're not, it, the utensils aren't getting in the way. It's you, your hand in the taco, put it in your mouth. And, you know, there's something there's something there, and and you know, I mean, as American people, we just we we tend to like, I, I, and also I think we we're, you know, as much as I like to go out to eat, and people love to go eat to fancy restaurants, those hole in the walls, and you know, the comfort food and the simplicity of a taco, people grasp that they they love it. You know, we get people in suits, we get people driving Mercedes to a Volkswagen to anything, you know, to to the guys working in the construction. Everybody loves them. There's nobody that doesn't love a taco because it, it, there's, it's a lot of flavor in three, four bites, and that's it. And you want some more, and it keeps you wanting more, you know. Instead of going and eating a, I don't know, 20-ounce steak, that, you know, this is like, man, I'm going to grab another beso. I'm going to grab another taco bamba. I'm going to grab another gringo or different things like that. So people are grasping that idea more that just because it's one, just because it's a few bites doesn't mean it's not going to be some of the best stuff you ever put in your mouth. Loso, you know, I need you to preach, man. I need that framed. That was, that was so eloquent. It was, it was exactly what I needed. <laughs> I haven't had to talk about Nobody's Everybody, Chef Carlos me. from Taco Bamba, what are you saying, Los? I said that's the first that nobody's ever called me eloquent in my life, so I appreciate it. <laughs> well, maybe it's because you don't talk about tacos enough, everybody. Chef.
Chef yeah. Carlos from Taco Bama. You can follow him on Twitter. Check him out on Facebook. I know it's a DC, it's a Nova thing. If you're from St. Louis, if you're from Los Angeles or anywhere else in the world, I know we got a worldwide listening audience. You're not going to be able to get it this weekend. But if you ever make it to DC, head on down, take the Beltway over West Side. You got to hit Taco Bamba, El Beso, best taco in America. And like you said, Cabeza Taco, Beef Cheek. They got some great birria, the goat, some cabrito. If you need some of that in your life. There's no disappointment to be had on the menu. It's wonderful stuff. Keep up the great work. I know on behalf of everybody who's ever eaten at Taco Bamba, thank you. Thank you a million times over. Please continue to work your magic, man, and thanks for coming on the show. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Oh, man. What a a chance to speak to one of the greats. Chef Carlos, Taco Bamba. I know that's a lot of taco talk with you guys. With everything that's been going on with free agency and the draft, I needed a reprieve. A, there's no better reprieve from taco than, than tacos, and B, there's no better reprieve than Taco Bamba. I guarantee it is the greatest taco I've ever had, so i got to disagree with Dan. It's the lengua. It's crispy on the outside, little tubes of greasy crispiness, and then it's a nice, soft, uh, you know, kind of a – because you boil the lengua first, so it's got that, you know – Sauce consistency on the inside. It's wonderful in the combination. Greens is great. Go ahead, drop me some taco talk on Twitter, on Facebook. I know everybody's got different tastes. Everybody's got different things. And what's great is that it's the same way with football. It's the same way with the NFL draft. And as we head into that period, we're going to get a lot of it. You know, we're getting over free agency, and as things get clear, we're going to have to see where the real moves in free agency happen. Steven, Stephen Wisniewski, obviously Rodney Hudson's gone. Mike Upati sounds like he's gone. There's not a ton of options, but there's still some. And, you know, Wisniewski, former second-round pick, really stood out for the Raiders. Maybe he's able to come in and play a starting center immediately. But even if, the Rams got to look at the draft and say, okay, what, what can we do to improve the offense? That's why I just haven't been comfortable. There were a couple mocks early on that had the Rams taking a cornerback in the first round. I, I, I get it, and you, I want to sign off on BP on best player available, but <clears throat> when you look at the fact that you know the Rams spent high picks on Janoris Jenkins, uh, Trumaine Johnson, they even got a, a great steal in, in EJ Gaines, and that's you know rounds and rounds behind what they took Lamarcus Joyner, who didn't really show up in a big way in year one. They they spent so much capital on cornerbacks. They spent so much cap. They've got four first rounders already. Let alone if they bring in Nick Fairley on the defensive line. They've got, I guess, capable linebackers. Maybe not the best linebackers in the NFL, but capable. They've got the components on talent to what should be a really, really strong linebacking unit. They just haven't come anywhere close on offense. Now, everybody can say that's because they haven't had good quarterback play. Everybody can say that's because the offensive line last year just turned out horrible. And I'm not disagreeing. But what I'm saying is you don't fix those things by continuing to pull in best player available on the defensive side. At some point, you've got to start to really address it in a meaningful way. They started to do that, right? They traded up for Tavon Austin. They used the number two overall pick on an offensive lineman in Greg Robinson. The problem is, A, Tavon Austin hasn't really turned into the player we hoped he had when we moved up, and, B, Greg Robinson struggled a bit in his first year. And obviously with Dave and Joseph on the line, Scott Wells on the line, things just didn't really work out, the Jake Long injury. Uh, things just didn't really come together in 2014. They got to find a way to get this offense to come. It doesn't have to be a great offense, right? It, when you've got a defense that's doing all the legwork, if the defense can improve a little bit and the offense can com- improve at least a little bit, if not a lot, that's what you're really looking for for the blueprint on how to get in the playoffs, how to get to 10 wins. And if you get to 10 wins and you don't make the playoffs, it's difficult to criticize that. I know people did. some people did that for Arizona two years ago. Some people did that uh, – 
against uh, Philadelphia for their 10 weeks. I know Mike D, D-V-O-N-D on Twitter, and Mikey D, our fantasy expert on Churchill Times, says, if you don't make the playoffs, you don't make the playoffs, and it's all the same. I can't disagree more. If you're a 10-win team, you're close. If you're a 10-win team, you're getting enough out of your offense and defense in some combination. That's what we got to get. We've, got, we've gotten some good defensive performances. And even when you look at the back-to-back shutout, the Raiders and the Redskins, the defense was great. And they got enough offense against the Redskins, and they certainly got plenty of it against the Raiders, although I might argue some of that was the Raiders giving it to us than the Rams actually taking it. You just got to get that offense you know, with a little bit more consistency and some adjustments so that it's not all on the defense late. You got to find a way to actually get that late touchdown against the Chargers in San Diego on the road. You got to find a way to get some offense generated in the second half against the 49ers on Monday Night Football. And you got to clean up the stupid stuff. They, they, it's a, the youngest team in the NFL the last three years. They got to grow up. They have to grow up. You've got to have Janoris Jenkins not making the boneheaded plays on Monday Night Football, let it getting burned behind him. Miscommunication. There's just no excuse for that now. I mean, he's not a rookie. At this point, he's a veteran player. He's got to start playing like it. And it's not just on him. It's on the coaching staff. It's on his teammates. They've got to play as a unit, right? And they've got to make good on it because they've invested the draft capital. They have this. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And I think that's maybe the most interesting thing about the Rams now going into 2015 is that uh, you look at the roster and compare it to where they were five, six years ago, it's radically improved. Last year I said it was the best roster they've had. Now they get a chance to remake uh, all kinds of different part of it you're really getting to, you know, a point where the Rams are going to have the best roster in terms of natural talent and skill that they've had in a decade. The last time they were decent, the last time they were good, the last time they won, let alone when they were great. But I'm talking about when they were good, when they could make the playoffs, when they could put together a winning season. They've got the talent to do that going into 2015, but you got to get something out of the talent. And I think that's what Dan alluded to. Obviously, it's one of those things that a lot of Rams fans, when they see the old stuff from Ryan Van Bibber, sometimes when I'm not overly optimistic, they get real butthurt about is a lack of optimism. And it really comes from the top. It comes from Jeff Fisher, right? Everybody likes to mock him for being a mediocre coach, for right in the middle of the way. What did I say? Seven and nine, it's all fine. Drink some wine. Turpentine. I get it. I get it. That's Jeff Fisher's history. But you got the talent. You've got the talent on the roster to be a winning team. You gotta find a way to do it. And part of it is this cutting out the stupid stuff. Part of it is getting a decent start to the season. You can't start one and four, one and five, two and five. You gotta get off to a start that supports your entire season so that when you get into the late stages, the last third, the last quarter of the season, you're not playing your way into the playoffs. You're already almost there. And that's what they've really been missing is a chance to get the start, to clean up the game, the penalties. Everybody remembers the penalties. Good Lord. Got to clean that stuff out. And even if you take the penalties, they've got to be smart penalties. And I think that's the difficult part. You've you got to find guys in the draft who are able to support what you have on the roster. Because what you have on the roster should be, if not good enough, then damn close and closer than what we got in 2014. It's going to be a fun ride as we head into the draft, the rest of free agency. Everybody knows the deal. 
Tertio Radio for Tertio Times. Follow us on if you listen to this, you already do. But you got to follow us on Twitter, Tertio Times. Follow us, like us on Facebook, and keep up with the site, man. We got a lot of stuff right now. A lot of it's just going to be heavy news, but really, we're going to get deeper into what football is, what makes the Rams who they are, and how we need to really get over the hump as we approach the season, as we get through free agency, get through the draft, and put together the roster that we need for 2015. It's going to be fun stuff for the Rams and fun stuff for Tertio Times. I want to thank Dan Kadar, mocking the draft, for joining me earlier. Awesome stuff. Less awesome on tacos, but that's all right. We can disagree. Great stuff on draft perspective. Chef Carlos from Taco Bomba. My goodness. A chance to talk tacos on Tertio Radio. I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget you guys. Listen. Never forget this episode. Season 7, Episode 1, Tertio Radio is in the books. We're headed towards the draft. Akeem Ayers, he's a Ram. Joe Barksdale, maybe he'll be a Ram. Kenny Britt, maybe he'll be a Ram. Nick Foles, he's a Ram. It's a new day, gents, ladies, kids, cats, squirrels, dolphins, all of you, Rams fans. It's a new day. It's going to be fun. Stick along for the ride. Tertia Times, the other deal. Thanks for listening to Tertia Radio. We out.
mad man. If Eric can't get it, I will and I can. I'm strong as it comes, but I've got a brain. And stopping me is like stopping a train. I'm Carl Lee, the general of the D. I make the calls, I'm the coaching LB. The smartest I can hit has got style and class. If you come my way, I'll knock you on your Today is the name's intimidated. I pass it my way, I'll see you later. Quick on my team, the ladies agree. Before they know it, they'll ram it with me. The ice man coming, the roar is the name. I cover the corner, interception's my game. Score more than anybody else on the D, cause I move like a cat as you will see. The guys call me Dick instead of Dick the Sun. I lead the range, I'm the Ram top gun. They say I'm as smooth as a runner can be, even sweetness than the others are talking about me. I like to dance and have a lot of fun when it comes to ladies who want to play anyone. But enough about me, we'll hit a ram it, you see. If you ram it just right, you can ram it all night. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.